Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. We are on episode something. It doesn't really matter because we're putting them all up in mad order. They're going up in a weird order. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really matter what episode. No, it, it is. doesn't. So anyway, I'm Paul and I'm here with Gar. That's me. And today's episode will be about solo breakthrough hits. Yeah. The songs when someone left the band and decided to go on her own qualifier is though that they have to be within the first album. They can't be like I was so surprised what some people's big songs I thought was their first album was like their fourth or fifth. Um yeah, but the, there was one or two on mine where they had like little EPs before the actual album. I think that's alright. Yeah. I just I, I think they're like testing yeah. testing well, the ground. People like I didn't realise like Peter Moore from Bauhaus. I was like, I was gonna stick cuts you up on it. That's like about four years after he released his fourth album. We were talking about uh, Mark Almond. Mark Almond. Yeah. I wouldn't expect like yeah. four or five years of yeah. uh, four albums. Yeah, stars we are. Yeah. Before, be- well, now if you're a fan, you'll go. There was no one's on the force. No one's a fan of actual Mark Almond. Yeah. Because no. both of us would have had something's got a hold of my heart, mm. which could also go under covers. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah, duetty cover type of well, situation. Say that for duets. We'll fight over that one yeah. later. So, uh, yeah, this is usually an artist that left their band, could be under some sort of turmoil. Generally. Maybe not. I think some of mine are definitely under some turmoil. A they lot are, uh, Yeah, they're very much uh, Here I Am songs. Hear Me is... And they have a lot to prove with these songs, I think. A lot of the time, they have a lot yeah, to prove with they're either, um, they're either because they left the band, the band dissolved, or they thought they were bigger yeah, on their own. Absolutely, or, yeah. Or, or I found... Um, a lot of the re- this is the most researched podcast I've ever done. Absolutely, because we, we were we were we were asking ourselves too many questions with the last ones. Yeah, so yeah. just a refresher course. We didn't even know what the N seventeen was. That was the lowest point of us so far. Of my life, so <laughs> yeah. far. Yeah, it took me a while. I had to go. It's got a bit of therapy over that now. Yeah, but still to this day, she just sent me to geography lessons. Yeah, but to be fair, people weighed in. Thank you. Yeah, set the uh, set set us straight. We weren't on, called. On we weren't called tans or uh, mm. cowards or. Pale people, mm. the pale, paleans, smoke. paleans, ignorant dubs. We're currently outside the pale right now, as are we, we speak. Yeah, it's just outside the Dublin. Yeah, outside the walls. We are. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. who is who broke away from their band? What did they sing? What did what did they be doing to sing on? Go for it. Um, my first one is Chris Cornell, and the song is "Can't Change Me" off the album "Euphoria Morning." What a song! I know it's insane. It keeps changing. Yeah. The first time I was trying to get my head around, I go, where has he got, what, it's a, oh, this is good. Yeah. Uh, I remember when it came out, we, we were only talking about Soundgarden in another podcast, and um, we're not the biggest Soundgarden fans in the world, don't hate them. Massively respect means. them, but yeah. I wouldn't, they wouldn't be one of my go-to, even grunge bands. Yeah. There's, for me, there's one kind of perfect album, and then a load of random bits and pieces. Yeah. But um, I think... When that came out, I remember that album came out. That album came out on uh, September 21st in 1999. 99, that's right, yeah. And uh, when that came out, I remember the cover. And it's, it's not a good cover. No, that's what I saw. I was like, ew. Yeah. And, yeah. and I knew it was going to be quite acoustic however. It wasn't really. I mean, I had elements of that. It seemed to be, it was very songy and it wasn't very riffy, rock and rolly. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was all there to kind of definitely showcase his it, vocals. It's the epitome of a solo album, yeah, isn't it? Really, pretty much. Um, apparently, it wasn't supposed to be called Euphoria Morning. It was supposed to be called Euphoria Morning. Very dark. Yeah, and uh, there was some sort of Donkey Kong esque spelling mistake. <laughs> and uh, that's why the, someone the, went. No, he couldn't mean that. Yeah, we'll fix that for yeah, him. Exactly. And uh, it was only on the re-releases then a couple of years later that it was retitled Euphoria yeah. Morning. I love that song. I think it's fantastic. It's a super song, and the best thing about it is it's the first track on the album. Yeah. So it hits you, it kicks you in the balls straight out of the gate. This is Chris Cornell. There's no messing. Um, He he recorded it in between um, Soundgarden knocking on the head and the formation of Audio Slave. Yeah. And uh, I didn't like Audio Slave. I'm not going to lie to you. I I thought they were. uh, It's a bit obvious. All those super bands are. Like, can, can you imagine, right? Like, think about. Before you heard Audio Slave and someone went, imagine a song in your head. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. you'd imagine. Now, I like the first album, but like I wouldn't, it it didn't blow me away. Like, no. Either maybe Soundgarden or Rage Against Machine. It sounds like... Quite safe sometimes. Yeah. Th- there's something about it that just, it's that particular time when that album came out, that Audio Slave album came out, it bothered me. Because like I said, it was real safe. It was exactly what he expected it to be. It was those ragey riffs with him singing. And also the Coach's riff is uh, Pantera's. Yeah. 
Five minutes alone. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. That, that, that is a big deal. Riffs happen. Re riffs, re riffs happen. They riff them off. <laughs> no, it, it just that that thing. It was fine. It just didn't set me on fire. Yeah. I, also, at that stage, I, that stage of my life, I was probably starting to listen to more exotic things. And, yes, um, I wasn't too worried about heavier, mm. faster. But I was, uh, I was genuinely impressed when I heard that song. Can't change me. It really that, was. It's so good. It starts off nice and easy, and it builds up to a lovely crescendo, and it's got this lovely uh, kind of refrain in it where it never. Yeah. It never breaks the skin too hard. No, but it's, it's so, so many different parts to that really, song. Yeah, it's fantastic. It really um, is. It's, a, it's brilliant. I, I, I had a bunch of people play on that album as well. And uh, for the life of me, I can't remember who I need to <laughs> I'm sure I meant to write that down somewhere along the lines. Yeah. But uh, it's it's super. He, it turned to shit afterwards. He's done the album with Timbaland, do you remember? We don't talk about that. <laughs> it, sounded like, it sounded like all the music was written on a Game Boy. You know what? I'd lash into that now if he wasn't recently deceased. Yeah. So I will. Cease and desist. Yeah. Uh, did he die of a strangle wank? Do we know? Well, there's not much to fucking save in the decorum now, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did he die of a strangle wank? I don't no, know. I don't think so. I, th- I, I heard that there was some degree of strangle wankulation going on. I mean, I suppose if you're on tour and you're monogamous, you have to keep yourself busy Damn. in the weirdest way as really? possible. Um, but you're having a wank while strangling yourself off the fucking. Off a doorway. See, here's the thing. He was depressed, and so was Michael yeah. Hutchins. So all this triangle work might have been... Cry for help. Decision, a decision in the middle of it going, fuck, fuck it. Halfway there. Yeah. Living, <laughs> living on a prayer. <laughs> the little, as the French call it, the little death. You know, yes. The big death. Let's get over and done Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> He's turned Le Petit Mort into <laughs> Le Grande Mort. Exactly. This um, is getting very mean. No, I'm just spirit. saying. I'm just saying. Uh, no, it's a fantastic uh, song of a fantastic album. The whole album is really, really good. Yeah, um, it pretty much turned to show you after that, I think. But that 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 could have been a case of uh, we we talked about about this before as well. Where I think a lot of songwriters and musicians are walking around for years with songs in their back pockets that yeah. didn't sue any other projects. Well, for instance, like Black Hole Sun was. was probably would have ended up as a B-side mm. only one of the producers went this one and he was like really that one really yeah he goes Here, you give him a bunch of types like this one he goes yeah no this is incredible yeah he's like eh, I don't think so but whatever go for it yeah I, I would have picked Spoon Man Jesus Christ Spoon Man what's a banger it is but it's just a stupid name for a song bothers me Spoon Man drop D riff yeah it is kill riff so what's your my first one is Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel alright just left Genesis yeah not too uh, wasn't very wasn't a friendly exit no not too much no I think I remember his daughter was quite ill mm. well he wanted to go in a different direction so the band was all over the gaff and yeah, it's fine yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think his daughter was ill and he needed to take a bit of time off I think Genesis pressurised him then yeah which they subsequently apologised for I think afterwards mm. you can't put someone under pressure with real life fucking shit then no when there's stuff, stuff happening at home no what surprises me is the end of Genesis, you would have imagined that it would have been a bit like the breakup between At The Drive-In, whereas one went Sparta and one went um, Mars. Mars Volta. I would have expected Peter Gabriel to go Mars Volta. The first album's quite safe, although it has some brilliant, brilliant bits on it. And Salisbury Hill mm. is it's a phenomenal song. Uh, would appear quite tame on the outside and mm. quite a song, mm. but um, lyrically, incredible. Yeah. A bit, it's one of, the, one of the break... The reason I picked it as my first one, it's about... Leaving a band. Yeah, yeah. The song is about leaving a band and the lyrics are represent that brilliantly. Um, I'm trying to think, does that have any members of Genesis? On it? No, it doesn't. No, not That's that him straight up. Yeah, no. We had uh, Phil Collins on um, <clears> tour <throat> album. Mm. It's it's not my favourite Peter Gabriel song, but it is the only real breakout song that be... It's the only hit off that album. Yeah. Uh, Here Comes the Flood, maybe, as well. He wasn't happy about that, mm. the way the producers produced that. Salisbury Hill, everybody knows it. It's up there next to Sledgehammer as yeah. the biggest, I'd say. Um, yeah, as much as I'm not hugely hooked on the melody at all times, I listen to those lyrics yeah. and it just takes it through. Who is your... Also, it's used in every... F- it was used in almost every film for a while. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I have to say on that mm-hmm. one. Who is your second? My next one is uh, also X Genesis. Yeah, and it's uh, in the air tonight by Phil Collins. That's that's a sup- that's an arguably superior, better breakout song than Peter Gabriel's. It, that, that's uh, it's fantastic. Just a phenom of a song. It's like, brilliant. It's just 
insanity yeah. is what it is um, that was uh, when was that in 1981 the, he, he had a bit of a pension for doing the uh, dark song do you remember mm-hmm. I don't like Genesis but that song Mama do you know that song Mama by Genesis yeah it's really dark I like a lot of Genesis songs but I like the, the stupid obvious ones you know Land, Land of Confusion and I love that okay that's a banger you know but uh, um, the, yeah that's it in the air tonight in the air tonight it's just Jesus. when that gorilla played it's so yeah <laughs> it's made me want chocolate now thanks exactly, I'm starving um, um, aside, aside from the now famous drum fill yeah it is absolutely it's, eerie from the word go it's yeah. eerie you know it as soon as the bar kicks in at the very start, you know what's yeah, on this. Well, is. apparently he um, he wrote that while him and his wife were kind of going through a big divorce. That's right. So he had, he had. That's not up. what the world thinks, though. No, of course not. Um, he he had stepped up the vocal duties after Gabriel, yeah. and uh, they were doing all these tours, and the band thought they were on the cusp of absolute like infamy. Yeah. They thought they were going to be the next biggest band in I the I think whole. The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway was their last one. I and and so. that was really proggy. Yeah. But the, the closer they got to like proper mainstream breakout, the more complicated they got away from the Joe Soap. And public. the closer Pierre yeah. Gable came to leaving. Yeah. Exactly. So, once uh, Phil stepped up to do vocal duties, apparently his, uh, his wife and his newborn daughter um, weren't happy with the amount of time he was spending away. So, mm. he made a deal with her to kind of jump off the road for a while and hang out. And uh, while he was trying to fix his marriage... He saw someone drowning. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, while he was trying to fix his marriage, it was going down the fucking pot. And he had a little A-track and a drum machine. He had like a little TSA 8 or something like yeah. that. A little drum machine and a little keyboard. And he was just messing around the home, making the bollocks. And he wrote pretty much his entire album um, in his house while his uh, missus and his daughter weren't there or while he was trying to get them to move back home. Yeah. And... Uh, it, uh, I think eventually just ended up handing it in to one of the record execs saying listen I just bang this yeah. together at home mix it, it if you want yeah like we can do this we can re-record this properly and the, apparently the label were amazed because they were songs they were very singy songy yeah they weren't super proggy they weren't overly complicated they were very poppy and, they were and he has a a, lot, a couple of times I've known a backing the backing vocal not the backing vocalist but the sorry the, the harmoniser because he's in the band yeah uh, has sounded like the lead singer and he did sound a bit he does sound a bit like Peter Gabriel yeah. when he's singing um, in the same way that uh, Martin Gore sounds like uh, Dave Gann from Depeche Mode so when you hear him singing you're not 100% sure which one it is yeah. initially because if you're singing with the harmonizer tone for years and years and years your voice you is going to that tone yeah. it's going to come with it yeah. and it's going to happen so I was yeah it's not sorry I'm not surprised to find that his voice but is that, um, like Peter that, Gabriel's that, that album Face Value like, a bunch of people played on that with him like Eric Clapton played on that with him and everything. Yeah. Like, there was, he had a million guests because he was obviously well known yeah. in, in the kind of musicians community they had all sorts of famous brass bands and stuff jumping in it's a, it's a, play along it's, it's a real haunting song and it's a very weird song for your first song isn't it but it's, it's one of those ones where they just listened to it and went well that's incredible yeah it's like he went on to do some ropey ropey things yeah he did I, but that's the Can't fucking 80s reason. as well like that but the, the further into the kind of deep 80s it got the more shit Phil Collins got and a lot of bands but yeah yeah but even like his shitty songs like that like you said like Can't Hurry Love and all they're perfect pop songs well it's a cover like, it's for a movie as well so yeah. you don't really count it but like they don't it's not it's not so atrocious that it makes you sick it's not showing you happy people you know what I mean oh god it's just, we just got over that yeah it's just garbagey enough for it, for the populace to eat up with a spoon, and it, like Susudios is a banger. Oh, he loves Susudios. And Invisible Touch was Genesis, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah, like he's got, he was good, but he just he got a bad name. I don't know along the line. Even he admitted it, and he said, "Fuck you, I'm leaving music for a while." Yeah. I don't think he deserved that at all. I no. really, really don't. I like the uh, when they reissued that album. Um, when they when they when they reissued Face Value, they uh, took a current picture of him. And used that on the cover of it they as did. opposed to the album. It's deadly looking. They did that with someone who I was going to have on the cover of George, George Michael. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> replaced one of my favourite album covers with a new one. With his face. Oh, on, really? uh, with Phil Collins? With Phil Collins' <laughs> face. I can't believe it. Dirty <laughs> bastards. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what's your next one? My next one is America's Most Wanted. Oh, America Ice Cube. You, now, st- that is, you stung me on this one. 
Because I, I wasn't thinking in that vein when we we came up with this theme. I absolutely did. This not. is why we need to come up with this draft system. So we have yeah. we've come up with the, the idea. We think about it for a while. We come back and we get to pick it. And if you think of it, we go in a draft one two. Yeah. And if you come in, that's yours. Yeah. If you get it, so you put your best ones at the top that you want first. Yeah. That's fine. You can do that. that but yeah, one, I had a feeling I was like, oh, you know, yeah. I was thinking, I mean, someone gets, that's a real unceremonious exit from a band and to come up with his own stuff that, like that. That goddamn album. Yeah, it's fantastic. That, it's so angry. It's so, you, you, bitterness can drive you to, not just bitterness, he's obviously incredibly talented. Yeah. But he was so angry. <laughs> it's by far not his best record. No. By far. Probably better than any NW album. It's, better than, no, it's not better than Straight Outta Compton. Force. It's not better than Straight Outta Compton. No, it's not. Very little is. Um, Straight Outta Compton's a perfect snapshot to him. Um, well, America's Most Wanted is it's like a fucking it's like a diss record. The World's Force diss record. All <laughs> of it. Like, like no Vaseline and everything. Like, there's, there's a bunch of stuff on there. Um, Ice Cube's best album for me is The Predator. It's 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 the perfect. most uh, focused and put together. And it's, 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 it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of a lot of other stuff by him like a uh, lethal injection. It it's all very mishmashy, and his style and flow jumps around so much that it's hard to. It just feels like a lot of stuff that he recorded in different studios with yeah. different people just thrown onto an LP or whatever. And he came out with no not much money, I don't think, from NWA. Well, he walked he walked walked from yeah, NWA because he was just he wasn't getting that money. It, it, yeah, it wasn't happening. And so, then he didn't get any money from this either. Did he? Uh, Didn't it, coin, that was, was it that? came to the deal where it's like, oh was no. Was it Interscope? Uh, mm, I think it was Interscope. I can't remember, but do you remember? Do you remember he didn't make much off this? They said to him, yeah. uh, oh no, you'll make money off the second album. And he was like, when am I getting some fucking money yeah. from my job, doing my job? Um, well, that was around the time he formed Lynch Mob, would have been, would have been around then as well. Yeah. Um, so he put together his own little stable as well. Yeah. So yeah, probably would have been... Second good, there's, some, there's some good samples on this song. There's a uh, Cure and the Gang, mm. Sly and the Family Stone, and uh, oh, I think there's a James Brown bit. They're all fucking par for the course, though, for a lot of those. Yeah. That year's worth of albums, like yeah. a lot of them. That got that vein got tapped quickly and fast. It ran out so quick. Yeah. Many bootsy fucking bass yeah. can kind of stroke. And many Snoop Dogg should have been forced refusal on all them being related. Yeah, it's outrageous. Like there's so many, there's so yeah. many of those fucking Parliament. So that, that's one of my top uh, statement yeah. breakout songs. Oh, you have to make a big statement yeah. with that. What is your next one? My one, once again, follows you. We did this on purpose, let's not lie. Well, at least we grew with them. No, we did this on yeah. purpose, yeah. Um, it's uh, nothing but a G thing. Baby. Exactly. Too loud, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Going crazy. Dead um, Row was not the label that made him. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dre is off the chronic uh, with Snoop Dogg. Oh, the chronic. Yeah, the first Chronic album, um, which was pretty much invented G-Funk. Uh, that yes. song pretty much invented G-Funk, which hip-hop got 10, 15 years worth of mileage out of, really and truly. Only um, up until recently, I thought, you know, the, not that whistly synth that you hear in loads of those G-Funk songs. I thought they were all samples. No. They're all played. They're tournaments and shit. They're like played that. over the samples. So I presume it was like, where are they getting, like, what band was using that yeah. thing all the time? It was him. You go back and listen to like, uh, like uh, Mothership or something like that where they take a lot of those samples from and you, you listen to the, the songs, there's been about 10 songs that yeah. use all those samples. They always have something, they have a flute. Of course, They're yeah. all mad for flutes. Like, uh, what do you think you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, so are so like Beastie Boys as well. Mad for flutes and mad for tournaments. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, I think he, he didn't he play keyboard oh, yeah, over he them. Fuck yeah, he did, yeah. He so was he, in bands and all when he yeah. was a young fella. Like, but I was surprised to find that. It's very simple stuff, but it's that great. That weird amalgamation of sounds that he got, where it's just got this real laid-back, like, shuffly drum beat with just a killer kind of Hammond uh, little riff. Or, or, it's just something in yeah. there in all of those songs. It's rare that he... He does a stone cold stomper of a banger. Yeah. Dre. He has this lovely way of layering samples. But not only if you, if you ever watch any of the, the documentaries about the making of uh, Chronic 2001, it's like full bands and stuff. Yeah. That he has. He's got like in-house musicians, lads playing bass, lads playing keyboard, all that kind of shit. And um, he's got full bands in there, and they're playing along with samples and they're redoing samples. Like uh, that, yeah. that's part of the, the deal. But that nothing but a G thing for me, um, like. 
god damn like when did that come out that came out in 1992 like oh, 1992 I know we're all old like I was what age was I I was fucking 11 I was 11 it is a super distinct sound do you ever think if an alien came down and you got to play him east coast and west coast Mm. he'd be able to tell which place had the weather and the big Buildings. Well, and which place yeah. had the good weather yeah. the, and, uh, and the spaced out areas? One hundred percent. It just uh, yeah. G funk sounds like summer, and it's not just because of all the videos. It just sounds. You listen to like summer music, Mob Deep or something like that. Like, yeah. It just sounds dark and it's raining now. And that's what Nas and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wu Tang sound yeah. like. They sound like an alleyway, yeah. rainy alleyway music. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. It's just you can it, just tell yeah. the scenario yeah. of where that was from. <laughs> well, in the, the same in the same way, you can tell that Joy Division were from like a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like the, all that East Coast stuff is very, very claustrophobic. Very yes, yes. Yeah, the I, samples are almost I wouldn't say industrial but they're from the city sounds that you sit the sound of the city but also what's, what's interesting about the east coast versus west coast not even getting into labels and all the, the shit that everybody else knows about is that when you listen back to a lot of that kind of early to mid 90s east coast stuff the loops and samples they use are really tighter they're, they're, they're not using bars they're just using like just loopy 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 constantly through the whole thing um, because the machines that were using only had so much memory yeah. well the lads on the west coast were using full DJs and that's why I prefer that yeah. it's, it's just I, I, I absolutely I, prefer it I have room in my heart for all of it but I do as well but you know when you listen to early run DMC those beats get sore yeah. on your ears yeah but again that's uh, shitty drum machines yeah it just hurts sometimes yeah. and it's just and they they didn't use much melody anyway, no, so so no. those, those drums and it was so mixed so high the drums. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in, in my heart, worst thing in the world is a, is a, something like a hi hat that's too high oh. in the mix. Oh, just it to, hurts. To me, a hi hat is for keeping time. It's not necessarily no, an yeah. actual instrument. You know what I mean? Yeah, so when you get that, it's, you got that in a lot of that East Coast hip hop where it was real high. Um, West Coast again, they were using full. Uh, sections of songs and middle eights as well smoother yeah, summertime yeah. well exactly it's fucking probably only dark for three hours a night as well so the lads are getting all their vitamin day having the best crack you yeah. know hits sitting by the beach killing each other as much uh, yeah I mean it's gangster rap for more. a reason more more the west coast were most definitely killing each other more yeah and there wasn't enough room to fucking hide like no. <laughs> so it's too open <laughs> you know? right what's your next one my next one is Empty Worlds by Serge Tankian from System of a Down. Yeah, oh, you had to remind me of this one. It's oh, it's fantastic. Um, you had to remind me of this, uh, and then when you you sang it to me most beautifully outside, I did. Oh, I, yeah. gave you, I gave you the whole song, and I even did the outro. Oh, just, I, yeah, I, gave I remembered it. it yeah, uh, I loved this song because it was. I don't know if we knew at the time what our System of a Down were breaking up for good. I don't think we did. So I, I think, think they just disappeared off the off yeah. the radar completely. So he came out with uh, they put out that shy album. That's not well, not shy, but not great album. Yeah, the st- they did too. They did Mesmerise and <laughs> Hypnotise. Yeah, and the, the, the last one was Poop. The I didn't think one. so. Had a couple of good songs, and I think Violent Pornography was on that. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a big fan of it. I, I think that's Serge's one. Yeah, apparently one was your man. It was Darren's. Yeah, and one was Serge's. And instantly I would have thought that the better one would have been... I don't know. I don't know. I, the I, first I, one... Actually, you know what? I get these names, Hypnotise. Uh, I think Hypnotise is the first one. I don't know. I, I, I was clocked out of both of them, to be honest with you. Um... I heard that uh, steal this album and I thought it was okay well it's a B-Sides album you can't really judge yeah, it yeah but don't release it but shy well um, it's an interim album the same way a lot of B-Sides yeah, are but it just it didn't didn't do much it's, it's messy it's a collection of, it's a collection yeah. of songs there's a couple really of bits of pieces on it again that, are, that were good but yeah. I, I remember kind of skimming through the next ones and the, the, nothing made yeah. me do a backflip you know I did I was surprised as to how good Empty Walls was when it first came out mm. I don't think the album is particularly great I don't think I actually heard um, the album John Dalmy and the drummer for this moment is on Empty Worlds mm. and possibly the whole album because I think once you play with John Dalmy and try to find another drummer like that to play with again yeah, they can do that. it's going to be mm. grim a grim search yeah. you'll probably find one but it won't be. he's just so good yeah. um, you, it, it doesn't it sounds like a System of a Down song System of a Down song in some ways in other ways it doesn't because there's a lack of Darren yeah, guitar uh, his guitar solo and his yeah. and his backing it's a bit more straightforward music it is yeah, yeah. it's a uh, I don't know if you try, I've seen people trying to sing at karaoke. You run out of breath because it's just because it's been layering the shit out of it as well. Oh, he, well, well, he no, it's not about him. No, he's, huh? he can sing that. Ah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, but that's yeah. the way he walks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you would be out of breath singing that song. Empty was the video was 
do you remember the kids and they're recreating sort of 9-11 and all the stuff around it but they're doing them with building blocks and little like it's a play so. it's, it's not as uh, it's not as clever as it thinks it is but yeah. it does the job for the uh, does is the it job him walking around with a top hat or something that's part of it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so, and um it's good. If System of a Down fans were very happy with it. More happy than they were Darren's yeah. Hollywood fucking... What was that called? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I don't want to say Hollywood really Vampires. That's uh, Alice Cooper John and Johnny Lennon Depp. And all, yeah. John Lennon. Yeah, yeah, the original ones, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ho- the Hollywood Undead. Is that what it was? Yeah. What? No. Anyway, it doesn't really anyway, Hollywood Sorry, Scars on Broadway. Yes, yes. Um, I had a couple of good songs, but if you're listening to Darren for a whole ah, album, I can't yeah. do it. And it wasn't it wasn't up to scratch. Yeah, uh, nice. Listen, Sis fans were happy. I was happy. Everyone was happy. Mm. What's your next one? <laughs> My next one is uh, Mother by Danzig. Great one. Great choice. Mm. He, had a lot of, he had a lot of proof. Uh, I don't know whether Danzig had a lot of proof, to be honest with you. I think... Oh, he doesn't think he did? Yeah. No, that's not, that's not a question. <laughs> I think... Um, the, there's a weird legacy there that doesn't make an awful lot of sense so he was obviously the singer and songwriter for the Misfits and the Misfits were even when they were doing the rounds they were fucking huge they were really big because they didn't play that much yeah. um, they only done a couple of gigs um, every now and again and, and by all accounts every gig was garbage absolute garbage they were <laughs> terrible live Um was that when they were doing their uh, weightlifting before the set? Oh no, no, that was that was after that was the second kind of generation of the, the only Graves, lads, yeah, oh, yeah, Michael Graves, yeah. Even like before that, like Jerry would lift a bit of weights and Doyle would or whatever. But um, Danzig, no, absolutely fucking not. Um, and Robo and all them, no, they weren't doing any of that type of shit. Mother is an absolute killer but song, though, isn't it? That album Jesus, is perfect. So good, it's perfect. Now, like in between Misfits and Danzig had Selwyn, and a lot of those songs. Off Danzig were selling songs, they just kind of repurposed, and there's lads from selling in Danzig. Yeah, it, it, that was a weird little buffer zone that he done. But I think while he was doing selling, he missed that big sound that was starting to come out that big kind of rock and metal kind of gothy yeah. fucking boom and sound. It was quite gothy, yeah, because all, all that sound stuff was, was like one step up from Misfits, so it still sounded like it was recorded yeah. in a garage, you know. So he missed that kind of. That uh, that big production and that big epic feel. So when that song came out, like and he's got Johnny Kelly from Type on guitar. You know he does uh, backing vocals on two or three songs on uh, on Danzig Danzig is uh, James Hetfield. Does he? Yeah, he does backing vocals on Twisted Cain. Wait, oh, he does Twisted Cain. Possessed, um, but they couldn't credit him. Right, because of some reasons. label nonsense. Yeah, he couldn't be credited. But yeah, he still does uh, backing vocals on a, on a couple of songs. And um, I only found out today as well the Danzig logo is from a Marvel comic uh, called uh, what's his name, Christar, Christar. Yeah, it's a great so, logo. Uh, yeah, that was lifted off the cover of a Marvel comics comic called The Legend of Christar or something like that. And uh, as far as I know, um, it's mad into his comics and books. Big and yeah, his, and he his, loves wolves. He does. He's a big fan of wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, 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 have, I have a feeling that Marvel still owned that logo he might lease it after or something I'm not sure but that came out on uh, August of 1988 I thought that 90, was 90 no, did they re-release the they might have I don't know did they, it initially came out a live version of it was the MTV video the original version of that album didn't even say Danzig on it it just had the skull and it got re-released a year or two later yeah with the font on it and all that kind of stuff Um so there, there could have been a million Danzig no but the, 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 the song you heard first on MTV was yeah. a live version that was called Mother 90 fucking 91 or something like that it was a weird version of it so maybe that was yeah. later then it was 1988 is when that right, album right. came out with Mother right, on yeah. it it might not have had the big splash until a year or two later yeah. but I know there was a version of it called I think it was called Mother was 91 90, 91 something yeah. like that it had yeah. a little bracket and I think yeah. it was a little bit faster um, I'm not entirely sure, yeah. but that, that that for me, that's one of the ultimate breakout songs, because it is. when someone stays in their, kind of in their genre, and stays kind of within their style, they get to bring the whole past legacy with them, so when he jumped on board the fucking Danzig Danzig train, he was bringing all that misfits and that sound stuff with him as well, yeah. and it also meant that he had a massive back catalogue of work to kind of present to a new audience yeah. so he came even though he was new on the scene to a lot of people as Danzig he came with like like bricks in his pockets do you know what I mean mm. and it made fucking sense 
Um, I do love that. I do love that album. And that is a great choice for um, for a breakout song. It just, just makes thing. sense. Right, what's your next one? David Sylvian, Red Guitar. You have to remind me of this one now. David Sylvian is, uh, was the singer of Japan, the band yeah. Japan. Yeah. I don't remember the song though for some reason. Red Guitar... Yeah, you I'm wouldn't sure hear. It, you wouldn't hear. It's not. A, you wouldn't hear it in many places. It's kind of a. Well, he first started out in Japan. Were obviously like the new wave. Yeah. Late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a couple of big songs, Ghosts, and um, they were kind of. I hate using that term, thinking man's anything, but they were slightly <laughs> more. They put. They, they were. They were. Didn't fit in mm. as well with like the Spandau Ballets and the Duran Durans, mm. well, even though they were a bit later, but whatever. Um. Him on his own, though. Did an album with oh, Ryuichi go Sakamoto. They don't count because they're not solo. Mm. When he did finally come out with his own song, Reggaetar, and the album Brilliant Trees, which is just a great album. Mm. It's a little bit more jazzy. You can hear the elements of, like, you can hear a bit of Leonard Cohen in it yeah. and stuff like that. You can't put him into the new wave electro thing, really, electronic kind of stuff that much yeah, in, with that album. Um it is a bit jazzy, it's a bit Scott Walkery. You can hear how that song influenced maybe Jeff Buckley. Yeah. And therefore Radiohead. Yeah, yeah, of course. But if you hear it's just a, it's a really good song. It's it's one of those ones that's all over the gaff at the start. Reminds me a little bit sometimes actually of Can't Change Me, where you think you think you know what way the song is going mm. when you first hear it, then it changes up and it becomes quite catchy. Yeah. Then it goes to a very uncatchy bit. It has it like a yeah. uh, difference kind of styles all in the pot together. Yeah, David Sylvian is a very good person to listen to when you don't know what else to listen to, I think. Brilliant Trees is a great album. Is it called Brilliant yeah. Trees? God, I hope it's called Brilliant Trees. <laughs> It'd be mad awkward if it wasn't. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, I would have said Screaming Trees if I was wrong. Yeah, I think so. I, I think wonder so. would Mark Lanigan have listened to much David Sylvian? Probably not. Maybe that's where he got the name. <laughs> Who is your next one? Could be. Uh, my next one is uh, Q-Tip, Breathe and Stop. Yeah, that was a great song to come out with. Diggy, diggy, diggy. Yeah. Um, they had a bad breakup, didn't they? Or did they? Yeah, they were, the lads were, the lads were, they were sick. And, you know, uh, I think Five Dog had kidney failure or something. And, didn't Q-Tip always think he was a little bit better than oh, everyone else? He, he was. <laughs> well, he was, but didn't he know it? He, uh, yeah, and, he, and, he was and, very vocal about it. Yeah. Very vocal about it. Um, there's actually a super uh, Tribe Called Quest documentary on Netflix. Oh, and it's brilliant. It's really, really good. It's brilliant. Um even if you're not into Troy Ball Quest, yeah. it's definitely worth watching. It is, yeah. Um, Troy Before Quest. A Troy Before Quest. <laughs> yeah. like, that's from 1999 as well. That's um, not 99. Yeah. I thought that was earlier. No, 1999. I would have put that at like 95, 96. No, Holy shit. From, uh, Amplified. My clock is off. Yeah, my clock. I didn't yeah. listen to Amplified much, the album. Uh, that's the second single after the album, and I'm going to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you what the first one was. Like a lot of rap songs, there's a billion songs on it. Yeah. And half <laughs> like of them are skits. Yeah. Lads talking to uh, answer machines and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when that song came out, it was a perfect little club banger that you get. There's certain styles of song that only work in one setting, you know? Yeah. Like especially with like kind of anything electronic or hip hop, some stuff only works in club. And there's some stuff that like, just sounds stupid listening at home, you know? It's clever to come out with a club song. Yeah. Like, it's, it makes perfect sense. Look, that's how 50 Cent done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dun, like dun. Two notes, yeah. and you know you're in there. Yeah, or fucking tops dun, off. Dun. Oh! Yeah, tops off, let's do it. Like, um, yeah, coming out with like a little club banger is a perfect, perfect choice. And also, doesn't really fit with the style of music he wanted to do in the first place. Like, you go back and listen to, to that kind of Tribe Called Quest stuff and... They didn't really do club bangers, really. No, that reminds me of music you put on for a barbecue. And yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. I mean, Benita Applebaum is just a nice, yeah. lovely song. Exactly. And Lyrically, his lyrics are so good. Yeah, he's just, he has a, a way of getting odd stuff into plain sentences, yeah. which is a gift in itself. And you wouldn't think his voice was great, but... It's, because it's not great. It's, it's not, real it's nasally. nasally yeah. and, but like, there's people who make into their careers out yeah. like be real. But it doesn't that. really matter when he's delivering he the way just he does it. Does it? He, he's a phenomenal. Flow is impeccable. Yeah. He's an absolute perfectionist. Um, the the way he puts stuff together. Like he, he's, um, I think his father was a famous musician. He was. Yes, his father was a famous jazz musician. I think. Um, so it's in the blood. It's a bit like Nas, where it's just yeah. born to it, and he knew exactly what he wanted to do, and I think that might have rubbed a lot of the other lads in Troy the wrong way so that whole thing just started disintegrating he was like fuck this I'll do it myself and he came out and I think as 
I, I could be wrong. I think that fucking uh, I think Breeding Slop could have charted higher than any fucking tribe song before. Um, possibly, I'd have to I'd have to look into that more. But it feels like that was more popular than any tribe yeah. song. Um, I, I, I like there's something about that song. It's it's timeless and infamous. Like it, you can play that now and everybody will know it. Whether they're twenty years of age, whether they're born years Did, after that. Came releasing out. that song and the album cover looked yeah. like he was going for a certain market that you wouldn't have expected. Oh, that fit him into to. like that kind of it did Nelly. Yeah, and it did, and it do, you wouldn't it just wouldn't have expected. Yeah, now it's yeah. still a cut above. Yeah, that. Yeah. But the, the look at that album cover. I remember the first time thinking that's What's not this? what I expected. It's all metallic and shiny. And he's wearing a big. Isn't he wearing a big four coat? Four coat. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's wasn't expecting it, but listen. Well, that's obviously what he was told to do. You want to sell fucking records now? Yeah. You know, copy that country grammar fucking thing and uh, <laughs> do, it. do the tongue song fucking too. Yeah. <coughs> right, what's your next one? <clears throat> it is What You're Waiting For by Gwen Stefani. Mm-hmm. I yeah. absolutely love this song. Yeah. First time I heard because I never liked Now Do. I just didn't like them. Yeah. Um, I think Don't Speak is a fine song, but it, it was killed by the radio on MTV. Yeah. So yeah. it just, Poison. it's one of those songs gone. Like, I can't, uh, I can't enjoy it anymore. I never really massively did. I don't like, the, there's a massive reggae aspect to them as well. So reggae and sky. Sorry, ska, more ska. Yeah. They, well, they started Spider off webs as, and stuff. as like a fucking whatever tour of American kind of ska bullshit yeah. band. And uh, they uh, took them fucking years to get anywhere. Like a lot of those bands, yeah. they had to graft really hard in that because there was so much of that. It was easy music to make, and it was yeah. Well, I remember that Tragic Kingdom album coming out, and it was fucking huge. And I also, even though I was only a young fella, I remember still feeling sickened that she was on the cover and the rest of the band weren't. Well, they were doing that from the start with her. They were yeah. trying to get her out of that band. I think I think the label were in, in her ear. I think she married two different lads in that band. She was definitely married to one of them. Yeah. Was the bass player? I can't remember. I think there might be two legends. It's not our fault we don't know the name of them. They didn't have a massive single after the band, so. Yeah. Like after that, it was, it was all over. But yeah, that, that, um, that single, that was, that was fucking huge as well. It's, um, it's, it's the second song on my list that's about going solo. Mm. And it is, it's a good song. It's a good thing to sing about. Pierre mm. Gable did about it. Your fourth song is about it being your fourth song. Now, it's, it pisses me off a little bit because lyrically it's quite clever about doubting yourself in your capacity to write a song and in that it's really clever and it's really relatable however if you look at how many people she had with her writing and producing it I was going to say it, do you reckon she wrote that? no well Linda Perry wrote most of it yeah of uh, Four Non Blondes and, yeah. and Pink songwriter yeah she's fantastic she's absolutely fantastic well, at that a, lot of, a lot of songs um, a lot of Pink songs were written by uh, Tim Armstrong from Rancid as well but he, Linda Perry would have launched Pink as well yeah. it's how do you get the girl who comes from rock or to, to, girl, to get her into rock put the put the kind of edgier style on her yeah because she comes from Four Non Blondes mm. it's going to be a little bit rockier mm. um, she came up with the uh, title of the song Linda Perry did What mm. You Waiting For uh, when, she, when she said it to her mm. what are you waiting for yeah. she's like okay that could be the name of the song uh, it's fast it. it's a very fast song I think that's I play that a lot um, if there's a slightly older crowd in because mm. it's but it's it's very fast It's I think it's 138 or 100, mm. nearly 140 BPM so I sometimes have to slow that down yeah, at the start because yeah. it, it comes in with the tick tock tick tock yeah. straight away there's a bunch of those to be fair there's a bunch of those Gwen, Gwen Stefani songs that were fucking you yeah well the first album is yeah. massive like, I was going to call it Blood Sugar Sex Magic but it's something like that Love Angel <laughs> yeah. Death Desan- uh, Lasagna yeah. I don't know for, I, I, I'll forever will associate um, fucking whore and um, everything she's ever been involved with for some reason with the Chili Peppers That's, I think the style that they used to promote whore was a similar thing they were using for the Chili Peppers well the way the Chili Peppers went you wouldn't see her a mile away from the bill yeah and uh, yeah. yeah I do like that song a lot she's talking about those Japanese Harajuku girls yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. Didn't think that was the thing that was going to last, and it didn't. No, it didn't. No, no. Married to Gavin Rosdale. Yeah. Who apparently, that new Bush song is supposed to be deadly. I haven't heard it's it It's a yet. new one. Yeah. We'll have, to do a pod- we'll have to do a podcast on bands that were forgotten about but had secret secret bangers along the way when, they, every, they when everyone. They didn't. Yeah. I, I, I love Bush. I love the first two in particular Bush albums. Yeah. And the third one's okay. But then the chem- chemicals sleep. with between yeah. us and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some okay science. stuff on that. Is that what it's called? Yeah. No. It's called the, the, the Science of Things. Between Us. The Science of Things, no? No, so you're thinking of the chemicals between us. Yeah. I could be wrong. Brain. You've scuttled me brain there. Sorry. And then, um, everything after that, 
Garbage. I mean, absolute audio cancer. And Gwen Stefani was killing him then. Yes. Yeah. The, she was... I, I remember that song more than I do, like you said, later Bush. Mm. And uh, What You're Waiting For is an instantly lovable song. It got really good reviews from everyone. Like rock rock journalists, mm. no. It had everything. The dance rock pop song. And uh, that is my choice. So what is your next one? Um, I think this is my last one as well. I think it is. I think it is my last It is my last one. My last one is uh, David Lee Roth, Yankee Rose. <laughs> Okay, I don't know much about this song. I wouldn't be even a massive Van Halen fan, mm. let alone a solo. I like Van Halen as much as the next guy. Um, Unless the next guy is Ken. He was obsessed. On, on the nerdy podcast. Mm. Yeah. Um, Van Halen were always perfectly fine for me. Yeah. Like when I, uh, very, very talented man. Incredibly talented. Um, seemed to be uh, a gang of kind of... Arseholes, would arseholes be the right word? Like cocky, drug-addled arseholes. And, uh, They'd be like the uh, classic rock bro dudes, maybe. Yeah. Now, uh, since listening to interviews with David Lee Roth and all, apparently, absolute diamond, that's what they call him, diamond, Dave. Like, an absolute gentleman. Really? Like, absolute gentleman. Um, does loads of stuff for communities, he's mad into, like, hiking. and Just a bog-standard bloke. He's not a psychopath at all. But obviously, it's not Sebastian Beck. No, far from. There's a band that could have been huge. There's, yeah, another, there's another podcast bands that could have been huge. Yeah, that, that fucking exploded. Yeah. Um. Uh. So obviously Van Halen turned absolute shite. The lads were at, they were touring uh, that album was in 1984, um, which had Panama and stuff like that. And I love that song. So good. That's I my do favorite. like that. Yeah. That's my. Or what Panama, about, uh, ain't talking about love. Ain't talking about love. That was my two favorite. Jesus, that's so good. Um, Apollo I, I, 440 robbed that riff? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. translate. That'll translate really well into the podcast. Everyone's already laughing, going, just mortified for the both of them. Sickener. Casting sickeners upon us from thousands of miles away. Yeah, so David Lee Rock went down with his own. He did, after the band just kind of disintegrated and kind of half kicked him out, he half left. He had put out like a little EP of lounge music. He wanted yeah. to do like a real jokey kind of type of thing. And uh, I, I don't know how well it was received, I'm not sure. But he, he banged out uh, an album called uh, Eat Him and Smile in 1986. <laughs> and uh, uh, Steve Voy co-wrote um, the album and played guitar on the album. So Yankee Rose, the most famous thing about Yankee Rose is the talking guitar. He uses like a wah-wah or a yo-yo pedal or something yeah. like that. And it's, <laughs> yeah. And it's fucking, it's David Lee Roth talking to the guitar. He's like, who's that over there? And the guitar goes, it's like a fucking clanger. You know what I mean? Talking back to him. The song itself is was big and it's perfectly fine. But pff, if you hear it every six years, that's once enough. Like, you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's just enough. But that, in terms of like a breakout, that put him... That made him big. Like he was doing, he doing uh, California Girls and he done a bunch of covers after that. Yeah, it's um, when he's getting his name out there because everyone knows the name of Van Halen. Oh yeah, yeah, called up because of Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. was a, a, apparently an absolute scumbag. Really, by all accounts, absolute scumbag. <laughs> like, he the main reason that the band broke up in the first place that he was absolutely drug addled, wasn't showing up to rehearsals. Yeah, was fucking up on tour. You know, uh, wasn't writing new material, all this kind of stuff. Which is weird because like, I think their best album was the one that they broke up on and then they got Sammy Hagar yeah. in and forget about that now. Apparently he wrote the Beat It solo on the fly. Really? Strolled in, fucked up, mm. went, and what solo? I don't know how true that is. That's, that's just fucking rock talk, 101. Yeah, isn't it? But they say that about like Kerry King for the Beastie Boys and all that kind of stuff as well. They just sat in. They also say Michael Jackson wrote the music for Sonic 2. <laughs> so, I remember hearing that rumor. Yeah, apparently that's true as well. Apparently that's actually real. <laughs> that's real. There is another podcast. Musical legends that we can prove. Yeah, um, yeah apparently, yeah, Michal fucking Yaxon fucking was in the studio while the boys are doing uh, Sonic or something. I went in. Oh my god, it's like a little blue hedgehog. He's he a little blue guy. He used to go, <laughs> diddly, 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 diddly. Exactly. <laughs> green Hill Zone. <laughs> Just the green, green giant. Yeah, but remember, sweet corn. Yeah, but you know, I remember both selected. Green hill zone. Do you remember both selected when they go and visit his house and he's got a big green giant? He goes, "What's that, Michael?" Green giant. <laughs> I don't remember both selected. It's basically taking the piss that Michael Jackson used to buy stupid statues and yeah. random stuff. Garbage. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Eatman's Smile was the album. Yankee Rose was the song. It's a uh, 1986. Steve Foy 
um, obviously it was fucking huge anyway um, and went on to get bigger and bigger and bigger but the big thing with that song is that the talking guitar was kind of famous yeah. and it was it was played to death on the fucking radio as well and um, uh, that's my last one for this one I, I'm going to finish on Diamond Dave I'm going to shoot in at the last one with uh, Stevie Nicks Edge of 17 how big were Fleetwood Mac when she released that like big that fucking song see that song I'm going to tell you right away I can't ever hear that song ever again why not because I DJ in town oh yeah and I can't do it it's not for me anymore do you know, I can't do it do you know my favourite thing about playing that song is the fact that the intro is 20 minutes long and you can run out and get not a beer just, and well it does involve the intro every single girl in the place knows mm. it's Edge of 17 every single but every girl. single bloke thinks it's Eye of the Tiger start yeah ding 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 yeah. they're waiting for that and they're like it's the edge or, of 17 or now that we're all old Bootylicious which is yeah, the actual it's, sample it's that, it's is the actual sample from Edge yeah. of 17 yeah Stevie comes out with the Belladonna album yeah it's um I don't know I don't really listen to the Belladonna album uh, was that the one with uh, is that the one Edge of 17 yeah we'll, stick, we'll, we'll say on that yeah because <laughs> you don't know the other ones <laughs> um, maybe you're jogging my memory is that the one where there's a couple of songs written by Tom Petty yes, yes okay. sorry because it wasn't the fourth single Stop Dragging My Heart Around yeah. it's technically the fourth single it's but a it's a duet so yeah. Conti- yeah. and it's also not very good I don't care when we say oh it's a fantastic song you think so Stop Dragging My Heart Around really yeah it's a bit cheesy but it's great for me. so Edge of 17 the name of the song was actually written by Tom Petty's wife oh. but she know. was trying to say age of 17 uh-huh. Stevie heard it as age of 17 goes that sounds class I'll have that yeah I'll put a spell on it I I always thought that this song was about sort of young love I'm a few years old it's about uh, death really John Lennon and her uncle alright the dovetail is supposed to be the spirit leaving the body in the doves I do like the backing vocals going ooh Babe. Like a dove? That's yeah. clever. Yeah. Yeah. That's very clever. Doves are just pigeons, though. It's still a very um, important song to her. She finishes her sets with it. Well, well, it's a, it, uh, in terms of solo material, that's our biggest. Yeah, it like, is. By far. Of course it is. Like, if, you went to a, if you went to a Stevie Nicks gig where she's not going to be doing some Fleetwood songs... You've got no, she does them at the end. Yeah. She, that's, but that's her encore. But I'm saying she yeah. finishes her set of her own songs with uh, Edge of 17. Uh, she, say, she says that. Like, it's still, an, even now, an emotionally triggering song. Yeah. I can I can see that it's a, it's a fucking fantastic song it's just it's dead to me she sounds a little bit drunk in it and that's what I like about it <laughs> when the days go back yeah. I love it I just love how gritty it is and it's a uh, it's I know it was around that time where every music was getting a bit mm. classic rockier but it's a nice rock song oh it is certainly I, I love the intro um, I love the, the it's, got, it's got a nice slow build up to yeah. it as well um, especially when you're DJing it's one of them wonderful yeah. ones you've got a track that has a nice bleed out and you find that that's got the nice kind of bleed in mm-hmm. and you can just sit back and see if you nailed it <laughs> you know what I mean yeah see if exactly. you nailed it you know? and it's not too late to change the Bootylicious or Ride the Tiger if you can mix them quick exactly yeah. Yeah. no you know what it doesn't matter everyone loves that song yeah everyone there's not a person on there that hates that song I'm just done with it I get that I, I, play it. I play it a lot every week I hear I do. it I feel a bit cheap when I play it sometimes do you ever get that like a cheap we, whore because I like listening to that anytime separately yeah. but I know when I play it it's right too on. easy to get them a, you know. like, there's a lot of those songs that are over for me now they're just done they're we, just we done. normally do um, we, we have ideas to do like second versions of these podcasts yeah. in volume 2 because there was a lot I cut off this yeah. as well I thought it would have been so I don't know whether we should talk about them or should we just leave them for another podcast. I keep them for another one. Um, yeah, it's not a bad topic actually. Yeah, I'd, I'd keep them for another one. I, I, Solo breakout songs. Yeah, I could. You could go full balls deep on a lot of them. Yeah, you could also go back to a lot of those songs and find kind of more cool stuff to add in about those songs. I did like um, that. A lot of them were songs with a point to prove. There was a lot of times they left bands or were kicked. Well, I don't think anyone. Well, I always find the concept of the kind of breakaway album. Interesting. More interesting, far more interesting than the uh, just the big song. Yeah, because the big song is chosen from yeah. the album. You know what I mean? So they go in. Think of somebody like let's go back to Ice Cube. So he's just been touring all over the place with NWA, um, doing extraordinarily well, and then everything turns to show you. The lads are getting arrested, but that doesn't matter what they do to them. They're still selling more records. Right? Yeah, it's just it's happening. Working. Yeah, bang, 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 bang. It's happening. So. He decides, I'm not getting paid enough. Jerry's robbing everything on us. We need to get the fuck out. Nobody else wants to join him in leaving. 
So he says, well, I can do it myself then. And sing a bit of an anti-Semitic line in one of my songs. No, Mixed with a homophobic one. Uh, fucking... That, that, <laughs> that's, what they, that's what they did. It, that's it's not, just part of the way. You can't go back and delete history. You can't history. go back and delete We can't go back and delete history. We can just, in our heads, go, bold boy. Yeah, but exactly. Like Back then, nobody... It's not that nobody cared. It was just what they done, right? Talk- Listen, it's extreme music. I know it's not like it does still. I, I, I it's feel like not I, fucking behemoth, le- but it was extreme for its day. We've learned. We've all learned a lot more about. Yes, it wasn't. I'm not, you know, there's no way for me to justify it. I'm just saying, is it? There's no way deleting musical history. No, unless you can't go uh, back and delete. It's, history. If you just, it's the way you don't take all Satanism like you were saying. Yeah, serious. It's a. Uh, it's not right, but it's part of a big banger. Yeah. Exactly. It's a terrible yeah. justification from me there, but um But but he goes in, he records this album, and they sit down and they listen to it all and they go, right, that's solid, that'll sell, that's a little bit fillery. This is really good, that's absolutely incredible, that's pretty good as well. And then they decide, right, what's gonna be a lead single after this? Mm-hmm. So I don't think that was even the lead single America's most wanted. Well, it was yeah. a single. But yeah, but no, but it was, it was like, the big it was the big song. Picking so. singles off an album must be difficult for a genre like hip hop. Yeah. Because what like the people? Because some, sometimes lyric does way better lyrical songs. Like way, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are closer to what you want to get out yeah. there than the but, hooks. But also, like you think back to like somewhere like Compton in the fucking early nineties, the songs they want weren't the songs that like absolutely we kids were exactly. going to buy yeah, in exactly. fucking record yeah. stores. So you yeah. have to find this like middle and ground. You wouldn't want to go with your most violent one either. No, because you're coming out with a super violent band. Yeah. You know, um, but, you don't, but what I'm saying is, radio is not going to play certain no, things. You have to delete and stuff like that. So yeah, it has to be a certain amount. Of that, that's where there's so many take. different fucking edits. Like every yeah. every hip hop song back then had had its regular edit and then its twelve inch cut and its house version yeah. and its clean, it's radio friendly. You know, it's explicit mix and and then Tipper Gar came along with those fucking stickers and how great was D. Snyder during that? Fair play to him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was our podcast of breakthrough solo hits. Sometimes it'll point to prove, sometimes just uh Beyonce, can you handle this? I don't think you can handle So enjoy the playlist. Um yeah, we'll the playlist the link for the playlist is attached to the text of this podcast as usual, and uh, we will see you again in about a week's time. Thank you very much.